This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. I'm glad you're with me today. I'm in Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 11. When Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. There's a sign outside of a local church in, in Texas. Maybe you've seen it up and down the highway. There's multiple variations of it that say something to the effect of no rules, just Jesus. No rules, just Jesus. And this seems to be a popular misconception of Christ that his sacrifice that obtained eternal redemption somehow removed all accountability and rules from people as if his death dissolved regulations for living and worship for this one true God. The Holy Spirit, I think, sets the record straight when he says even the first covenant had regulations for worship in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. The first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. What Christ offers is eternal redemption for those willing to submit to his rule as king not the abolition of man's accountability. If anything, he offers greater and perfect accountability. And he is a just and fair and merciful and loving king. And so if his sacrifice means anything regarding man's accountability, it's this. Men are more accountable now than before. Just look at Hebrews 10.29, and that's exactly the point that the writer is making. He says, under the law of Moses, someone was punished and put to death on the basis of two or three witnesses. How much more... Shall we be accountable? And I'm paraphrasing there, but that's the idea if you go look at Hebrews 10, 26 and following. And so what the Hebrew writer wants us to understand is that Jesus is a better sacrifice because he, one, entered into heaven itself in verse 11 of chapter 9, as we just read, and he offered his own blood, not the blood of animals. He gave himself in his own life so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. And number three, he can make his blood can make one perfect in conscience through that forgiveness. In other words, we can be totally, completely assured that we are holy and blameless before God, as Paul says in Colossians 1.21. We can have that privilege standing with him. We can be rid of the guilt associated with sin. And number four, he only needed to offer himself once. So those are the reasons the Hebrew writer lays out why Jesus is a better sacrifice. He went into heaven itself. He offered his own blood and his blood, his sacrifice is perfect and can make us complete before God. And finally, he only needed to offer himself once. So I want to take a minute to do what the Hebrew writer does, which is compare Jesus's sacrifice with those are the ancient ones. He does that in passing, and he goes into more detail on the context. But let's just take a moment to consider the purpose of ancient sacrifices. And the Hebrew writer briefly describes the old tabernacle and some of its components beginning in, in chapter 9. He doesn't go into great detail, but he does go into some detail. And he even says that in verse 5, of these things we cannot now speak in, in detail. So he quickly segues to one particular item within the tabernacle system. And that was the Day of Atonement, wherein the high priest 
would enter into the holiest place. So he goes into the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, but only the high priest is allowed into the back portion of the tabernacle where the holiest place is and the ark of God is. And only then he could do that once a year. And then he offered a sacrifice, verse 7, for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. And so the tabernacle and its trappings and the worship associated with it, all these things were symbols used by God. In verse 8, the Hebrew writer says this, The Holy Spirit is signifying that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing. And so it was all preparatory. It was all symbolic. It was God was signifying that the way to him is is not fully revealed. It's not yet been disclosed. And so in the Old Covenant, verses 9 and 10, keep reading, both gifts and sacrifices were offered, which could not make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. So God, God desires man's perfection. He wants worshipers to be perfect in conscience. But that was ultimately impossible with the blood of bulls and goats, these animal sacrifices. And so those ancient sacrifices pointed forward to a greater sufficient sacrifice that God would ultimately bring in, that, that he would create, that could, that could perfectly purge the conscience of guilt. Verse 14 this is where the Hebrew writer is going. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So completely cleanse those dead, evil things that you had been engaged in. And so just how well the Israelites understood the figurative nature of their offerings is not clear, but they did have some understanding of the symbolic significance of the temple worship. If you look at, for example, Solomon's statements in 1 Kings 8, verses 10 through 11, after in the context, <clears throat> excuse me, he's just finished building the, you know, the, the greatest temple that there ever was in Israelite history. And it, you know, it was just, just massive structure and expensive and beautiful and he says, you know, God, will God in, indeed dwell in a temple made with human hands? And so Solomon gets it to some extent, right? And Old Testament worshipers also recognize, I believe, the inadequacy of animal sacrifice. And they looked for good things to come, as the Hebrew writer says in, in chapter 10 and verse 1. So it was... To, to some extent, they understood, okay, this is preparatory, and we're, and we're looking for this perfect king who is going to come from David's line, who's going to sit on his throne forever, and that's going to have implications for us as as God's people, and, it, and we're going to be in this new blessed union and fellowship with him. Uh, but the Hebrew writer talks about the remembrance of sins made every year in verse 3 on the part of the worshiper. So, again, he's making the point, these Yes, this system was ordained by God, but uh, it, it couldn't make the worshiper perfect. They, they realized the animal blood was not enough. Just as a general rule, the worshipers, you see, as he says in verse 3, um, were reminded of their sins year by year. So they felt their past sin yet hung over them, and they were less than perfect or complete. So forgiveness 
total forgiveness and remission are not uncommon in the Old Testament. You can see that 2 Samuel 12, 13, Nathaniel tells David, God has forgiven your sins. And and that and and forgiveness could be accepted by people of that day, I think, in the most obvious sense. Um, you know, the lifeblood of an animal was given upon the altar to make atonement for souls. And so I have to conclude that those under the old law who were said to be forgiven were indeed forgiven, but they were redeemed in prospect. They were looking to Christ. And if Christ had never come, then those Old Testament sacrifices would have never meant anything. But he did come. And Abraham, who lived before Moses, you know, the, the law of Moses even, also looked forward to the day of Christ and rejoiced to see it, Jesus says in John 8, 56. So my point being, and I believe Scripture is teaching that men and women of faith who lived before and during the Old Covenant could be acceptable to God. And he doesn't get to this, he doesn't arrive at this until chapter 11 that we'll, that we'll look at in a later study. But in chapter 11, verse 13, as he's talking about many examples of faith um, from the old law and prior to the old law, he says they all died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth, these obtained, uh, all these obtained, uh, excuse me, gained approval through their faith. And so, knowingly or otherwise, they were drinking from the spiritual rock, which is Christ, to use Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 10, 4. So their their faithfulness is what mattered in, in, in God's eyes, even though they lived in less than um, th- those preparatory systems. It was the death of Jesus for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant that made their forgiveness possible as well. Their redemption was still dependent, in other words, on Christ, just as every man and woman's is. And had Jesus never come to earth, they could not have been forgiven in prospect even, nor could we have been made perfect. And we'll talk more about that in chapter 11 uh, when we get there. But thankfully, Jesus did come. And he did put away sin, and he is the better sacrifice. And that's what the writer wants us to focus on right now. That once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested, verse 26 of chapter 9, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so Jesus' superior sacrifice accomplished what all the old covenant sacrifices never could. Eternal redemption. You and I needed an intercessor. We needed someone to mediate between us and God. That's what the priesthood was for. But again, it was, as we saw in chapter 7, even that was overseen and administered by uh, men who were guilty of their own sins. Uh, But Jesus never was. Jesus could stand in the very presence of God on our behalf but no man can do this. They, in the tabernacle system, it could only, that could only be pictured in the temple uh, and in the in the ark and the holy of holies. That could only be pictured. But Jesus actually did what the tabernacle was picturing. Remember, he entered into heaven itself, the holy of holies, and stood in the very presence of God on our behalf. Only one who was perfect, who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin and made like us in all things to become a merciful and faithful high priest 
could make propitiation for the sins of the people. So he has given us each the opportunity to be reconciled to God through him. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9 says, Having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. So the window of time is closing on each of us. It's appointed for man to die once. And after this comes the judgment, the Hebrew writer says in chapter 9 and verse 27. So the point of this better sacrifice, again, is not the removal of accountability or that everybody has nothing to worry about now or that there's no rules in just Jesus. There is just Jesus, but it's a new regime. It's a, He's a new king and under a new covenant of which he's calling all people to be part of and can be a part of, but on his terms. And again, the, the clock is ticking for each of us to make the decision to, to submit to him. And the Hebrew writer doesn't want us to have any illusions about that. It's appointed for you and me to die once. After that comes judgment. So be ready and don't refuse the gift and the grace that he is extending. It was in the making for millennia. And now it's here. And it's free to all men and women. They just have to come to Jesus and submit in repentance and and submit to, to his rule as king in their lives. I appreciate you tuning in. This has been Faithful Sayings.